Welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report Podcast. My name is Zach Dwyer, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host, Brian Mosey. Brian, we're back. Uh, I mean, I've been around St. Cloud. You're back from all over southern Minnesota, but um, baseball, softball, golf, it's all done. We just have track and field left, so um, it's really starting to wind down here from spring. Yeah, no, it's been it's been a good week this week with a bunch of really, really good state tournaments and um, being able to go out to Mankato for softball and Jordan for baseball. Just a lot of fun, really good pictures, really good atmospheres, um, kind of what you were kind of hoping for a state tournament, especially after such a weird winter season with state tournaments. You kind of felt a little bit nor- more normal, um, not having to be in certain areas and being able to kind of just roam around without a mask and everything else. Um, kind of felt a little bit more normal. And um, unfortunately, none of our teams are making it to target field or, you know, anything like that on Friday, but we'll have plenty of track and field coverage as we get ready for the end of the week. And then after that, we'll see you in uh, August, September, something like that. Right. Yeah. I think that's how it works. We just get to ditch out <laughs> for a couple months. No, we, uh, <laughs> still be plenty to do, but yeah, no, like you were saying, I mean, it was crazy. I was at, baseball over at the Mac and there literally wasn't a parking spot to be seen when I was there yet class a and to a tournament there. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about tournaments you were at too. Like you said, golf and track and field too, with um, races already tonight here. We're recording this on Thursday morning here. Um, there's already two mile races tonight and then class a Friday and class two a Saturday. So um, a lot to still be done, but kind of starting to see the finish line in sight. Um, and I think, regarding baseball where we had three teams make it to state a lot of them for the first time and you know over all of them first time in over a decade some two three decades um i think we should start with sartell who you were at yesterday still they were the only team to win their first round game of the three baseball and one softball team that we cover um you want to just kind of go into i guess where do you want to start you want to start at yesterday's disappointment or you want to talk about two days ago kind of the the walk-off well we'll we'll start with the with the good first um i mean yeah, very fun game. Um, it was kind of a little uh, weird because in the sense of everything was basically an hour and 15 minutes delayed. Um, they had, I think, of a, a longer game in uh, the first game when St. Thomas Academy played Wilmer. So everything got pushed back like an hour and 15 minutes. So it worked out well because Mankato was late too. So I was able to get over there just in time. But um, yeah, a very good game for Sartell to start off with against Albert Lee, um, in the quarterfinals game on, on Tuesday, um, Chase, Chase Heining, he was the starting pitcher for the Sabres. Um, he pitched about halfway through about four innings or so, um, did a really nice job kind of mixing up his pitches, was able to find some really nice, um, outside and inside corners. And then Tyler Phelps Hemish was able to finish it off for them. He gave up zero hits, um, to kind of relieve chase um and earn that win for um the the sabers but sartell they they were down two nothing against albert lee heading into the bottom of the fifth inning looked a little bit like albert lee's starting pitcher was kind of on a roll he was kind of getting into in control and then sartell was able to start timing him um that's one of the hard parts and that's why kind of chase was got taken out was because a lot of batters can kind of time a pitcher pretty well after their second at bat. So once you get into the third round of at bats um, with the same pitcher, they start to be able to hit a little bit harder. So I think that's what happened with Sartell. They were able to get a run in the fifth um, as Kalen Lewis was able to get a sack fly and knock in Jacob Merrill. 
And then um, we were, there was able, uh, Kalen O'Connell, he hit an RBI double in the sixth to tie it up 2-2. And then when we went into the seventh, basically it started off with uh, Jack Greenland. They were kind of hoping that Jack could maybe find an open gap and get a double just to get a guy on base um, and be able to kind of knock people around. He had a really nice shot, but it was a little too short of the fence. Um, and he was able, they were able to record the first out. Steven Brink, Brinkerhoff was, um, was able to come up and he's been kind of their power guy. He was a cleanup hitter and he found a really nice pitch. He was sitting on a fastball outside and he got it and launched it basically over the railroad tracks um, in Jordan and was able to walk it off for Sartell that night, which was really fun to, to see. I mean, you don't really get to see those a whole lot as a sports reporter. So when you get to see them, they're kind of fun. Um, they threw Gator or well water on them or whatever. And um, they were able to kind of celebrate Jerome um, Nemish, the, the head coach. He was, he was saying, I just didn't want anybody touching him before he touched home base or home plate, because otherwise I think they take the run away or something. So he was like, everybody just back up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really fun game to watch <clears throat> um, for him. He's, he's known as the bat guy. I mean, he plays right field. He does a really good defensive job, but Pete, but he's at the batting cage 24 seven. He loves hitting. And so obviously it showed um, with, with this particular hit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and really good to, to see that type of type of ending for them, um, which brings us kind of into Wednesday um, because since they won, they, they made it to the semifinals. They took on Mata Midai. Sartell was the number two seed. Um, in the tournament, Matamidai was the number three, so you knew it was going to be a good matchup. Um, for Matamidai, they did put in their ace. Um, he's a commit. To, he's committing to Missouri next year, so um, you knew that he was going to be probably throwing some good, good speed and and also some good mixes of of pitches. And that was kind of the case early on. Um, they they kind of realized that. You know, you were going to have to make some contact, and you were going to have to kind of find some find some nice pitches to to be able to get on the board. Um, they had runners in in position to to score. A lot of it was they just couldn't execute that one hit that they needed to score that run um, during the game. You know, you have people on first and second, or people on second and third with two outs, and they would pop fly it, or you know, they would just get right underneath the ball and, and pop it up or something, um, and a lot of guys were left on base in running in, in scoring positions. So, whereas on the flip side, Matamidai, they were able to execute some really good hits when needed. And they were also able to take advantage of a couple errors early on from Sartell. So that kind of got them a three, nothing lead early on after I think two innings. And then after that, it was just kind of smooth sailing for, um, for their ACE for Matamidai. So, they lost seven to nothing. Um, Sartell did, um, which meant that they played right away afterwards um, for the third place game against St. Thomas Academy. That one was a little bit different. Um, was not shut out. <laughs> um, St. Thomas Academy won sixteen to fifteen, and they used quite a bit of pitchers. I think five pitchers, and um, Charlie Kent was able to get a home run. Stephen Brinkerhoff was able to get three RBIs. I think Jacob Mural and um, Tyler Gentle, um, Gentile was able to, they were able to get two RBIs each. So a lot of good hitting all around for them. Um, got fourth place. I know that wasn't what they were hoping to get in this tournament, 
but it's still a very, very good start for them. I mean, they have a lot of guys leaving um, guys like Kalen Lewis, Jack Greenland, Ke- Charlie Kent, those types of guys are leaders. I mean, they, they've been the leaders this season. If you, if you, the first guy that's out of the dugout giving high fives is Jack Greenland every single time, no matter what. And so you're going to lose some really good leadership, but you also have a good core of guys coming back. I mean, you have Steven Brinkerhoff, who's your power guy. You have Tyler Phelps Hemish, who's probably going to be their ace next year. Um, you know, you have, you have a handful of guys that are coming back that are going to make an impact. Jack, Jacob Mural, he's a really good guy. Same with Kalen O'Connell out in left field. They have a good core of guys coming back that are going to make an impact. It's just more of the fact of who's going to step up in that leadership role next year because there's not going to be a whole lot of leadership um, because the seniors kind of took over that this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of in a similar vein, um, Albany, who lost their game two to nothing um, that I was at on Tuesday night, they also have, you know, double digit amount of seniors. I think it was seven, eight of them almost in the starting lineup um, or more. So, you know, another team that hadn't been to state in a while, but was really looking forward to it for them. It just, what kind of struck them. I mean, they only had two hits against Aitken in that game. One came in the second inning, one came in the seventh inning. So they just really had no answer for Aitken's pitcher, um, Logan Olson on the mound. And, um, you know, he also, Logan, he had, um, he had two doubles as well. One was an RBI and another, um, was a hit that he eventually got pinch run for, but was the first run that ended up coming home too. So, um, you know, he kind of did it all for, for Aitken. They were unseated. They were the underdogs and Albany was the number two seed in that game. But, um, it just kind of came down to, yeah, Albany just had the plate. just, um, you know, they couldn't really get anything going from the beginning. And it seemed by, by the time he got to about the fourth, fifth inning, and that was when Aitken got their first run. It just seemed like they were a little, uh, just kind of confused to be in the situation. Cause I mean, they'd only had three losses on the season before that. And they've even played some really low scoring games. I mean, they had a one, nothing win over peers a two to one win over Annandale. So, um, you know, low scoring games hasn't been, um, you know, unique to them, especially in the section run and in their five section ones, I think they only gave up five runs. So, um, this one, they only gave up two. Carter Thielen had a really good day on the mound too. Um, for Albany only giving up five hits. Um, and one of the runs was only earned. So, um, it just kind of came down to there was an error here or there or a couple missed opportunities on defense. And it just seemed like every time they were about to break through Albany would hit it right to an Aitken fielder, um, especially in that seventh inning after um, they were able to get that first uh, or the second hit of the game. Evan called off. He had a single to right field, kind of lead it off. It seemed like they might have a little momentum. Um, Brady Gable and Tanner Arsenal both hit hit drives that were maybe. 15, 20 feet short of getting home runs both times. Uh, both went right to the warning track, and Aitken, uh, right fielder and center fielder, kind of made big catches to to keep it. And at that point, you were kind of like, yeah, it's just not really meant to be. It's not kind of their day is what it felt like. So um, that was, you know, that was kind of all it wrote for Albany. They ended their season 22-4, and four, and it was their first appearance since 08. So um, a lot of turnover is going to be for next year, not many. Uh, not a ton of players that have too much varsity experience or got a lot of at-bats, you know, during this, this postseason run, but um, that's the beauty of it. It's always kind of a turnover. So we'll see where the Huskies kind of land next year. Yeah, definitely. And the last baseball team that was playing on Tuesday was Sock Rapids. And um, if you've listened to our podcast last week, Sock Rapids was kind of the underdog in the section tournament. They, they were able to win as the number five seed in the section tournament. They got a random draw 
um, kind of was like the number six seed, even though it's not technically the number six seed, well, however you want to call it. Um, but they took on number three, Mata Midai, um, on Tuesday, um, and they lost two to nothing, a really close game, a lot of battling back and forth. Um, Mata Midai has another pitcher that they didn't use or that they, they, they didn't use for Wednesday's game. They used them for Tuesday. He's a commit to UMD. Um, and he was firing pretty good, um, on Tuesday, but on the other hand, soccer Rapids was using Landon Lunser and he pitched a complete game, gave up seven hits. Um, and unfortunately the first inning they got Matamidi was able to get a run, um, from a base hit. And then there was no more scoring up until the bottom of the sixth inning. And then there was one home run. And after that, I mean, that's all that there was for scoring. So Landon had a great game. It's just unfortunate because Sock Rapids wasn't able to generate any runs um, on their end. They were, they had a couple instances where they had a couple guys on base, but um, they weren't able to kind of get that, that key hit to get that momentum going on their side. Um, you were kind of thinking maybe being an underdog for section tournaments, they might be able to kind of do the same thing for state. And it looked like they could, I mean, it was one, nothing for most of the game, but then um, just wasn't able to get that one run that was needed to, to tie the ball game up. Um, so they ended the season, I believe 10 and 12. And I mean, I know a lot of people kind of say 10 and 12, I mean, not, not a great record, but also the thing that you need to realize is that the regular season is an opportunity for people to grow and like to understand, you know, what that team is going to be like. And they hit a really good hot streak as they went into that section tournament and they beat, it wasn't like they beat the number seven seed or the number eight seed. They beat the one seed, the two seed and the four seed. And they, they beat the four seed twice to get to the state tournament. So a really good, good season for the storm. Um, a very memorable season for sure for them. Um, and they, similar to the other two teams, they have a mixture of some seniors and some, you know, other guys that are going to be coming back. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they, they keep competing hard for, in that central lakes conference um, to be one of those top teams heading into 2022 um, next year. Yeah. And even though they, you know, did get swept by Sartell during the regular season, they still played, you know, Montemidae, um, you know, scoreline, obviously very different games, but still the scoreline was even closer for them when Sartell played the exact same team in the postseason. So, I mean, that just shows how far along they did come through uh, that stretch to be able to compete like that um, in state. So yeah, impressive there, um, for sure. So yeah, so there's, you know, a little disappointing, like I know you were saying this morning to not get to see any of the teams make it out to target field or get to cover them again this year. Um, but overall, I mean, of, we only cover seven teams and three of them made to state, you know, it doesn't, you don't really get much better odds than that, especially I think it was every single section we cover was one of our teams for section champs. So, um, that was exciting. And then for Sartell softball, who was making their first appearance at state since 1985, um, you got to see them down there. Um, like you said, a little delayed, but it was, I don't even know if it was morning time anymore when they actually started on Tuesday, but um, a tough loss there by one run kind of, you know, making their first appearance back in the quarterfinals there. And also it's different because, you know, used to double elimination in sections, or even if you lose the semifinals, you get that third place game quarterfinals is like the only time where it's winner go home in all of postseason, and they just kind of came out on the wrong side of it, it seemed like. Yeah, Winona was able to jump out um, to a 3 nothing lead early on in that first first inning, and um, I think it was some jitters. I mean, not being at a state tournament and, you know, 
kind of not knowing what to expect when it comes to this type of tournament was probably one of the key reasons why they jumped out to that lead. Winona was the four seed, Sartell was the five seed, so you knew it was going to be a close game just based on how they seeded everybody. Um, also, that that entire class was stacked. I mean, Sartell was ranked, I think, number eight or number seven at the end of the regular season in the, in the uh, polls, and they were number five. <laughs> so that just tells you how good that class triple or triple A is, is when it comes to, I know Becker won the whole thing. They beat Winona and, and won the state tournament, but like Becker was the, I think the three seed. So that just shows you how good that class was. But in any case with, with the Sartell game, Winona jumped out to a three, nothing lead. Sartell was able to come back with a run in the second. Um, but then it kind of kept on being, you know, they'd score, but then Winona would score and then they'd score again. And then Winona would score again, you know, and, so they weren't able to really capture that momentum or that, you know, confidence in the sense of just getting that lead and being able to hold it or being able to tie it up and like, you know, get that momentum. Um, they were down, uh, I believe it was, yeah, five to three. They were down five to three after the fourth inning. And you were kind of, you know, there was no, no runs scored in the fifth inning. So you were kind of like, okay, how's this going to go? You only got two more innings left. Ava Williams hit a really, really nice two-run home run um, to get that get that game tied up five-five. And you're kind of thinking, you know, this might be the momentum that they needed. They needed that was the shift. Well, then Winona came back in the bottom of the sixth and hit a home run um, to make it six to five, and it, 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 that kind of took the wind out of the sails, honestly. And you could kind of get a sense that like that momentum just went right back to Winona, and uh, they were able to close it out in the seventh and win it six to five. Um, but Sartell had a, an incredible season. Um, I know their goal was to get to state and, you know, they weren't going to, they didn't want to finish it at the corner finals. I know that for sure. But one of their goals was to get to state this year because, you know, the two seniors that didn't get a season in 2020, um, they wanted to do it for them. And so that was really cool to see them be able to, to get to this point and, and win it and win it and go to, go to state. Um, it's definitely going to be a different lineup next year. Uh, there's eight seniors that are on that team. All of them, I think, except for one, maybe two, are going to be playing um, college softball, either at the Tech College over in St. Cloud or, you know, in various other places. So it's cool to see that their career is still going to continue um, after they're done with high school. Um, but you're going to have a lot of turnover. Um, you're going to lose you know, your catcher like Reyna and your pitcher in Cami, um, that duo has been basically unbreakable for many years. Um, and then, you know, you're just going to lose a lot of leadership with Ava Williams, Emily Hogue um, out, out in center field. Basically your like center line in, in the field is going to be gone next year. And so I know for Dave, it's going to be a lot of, you know, trying to figure out what, what's the right vibe and what's the right person to put out there. Um, but the nice part is, is that they taught a lot of these kids or these girls how to um, play their positions once they leave. And so there's been a lot of growth throughout the year, even though you haven't seen it on the field, it's been behind the scenes work. So um, definitely going to be definitely a good kudos to them. And I think, I mean, I can say this and I'm sure Zach can agree to this, but the cool part about state tournaments is that you get to follow these teams all the time. I mean, for sections, Zach was either there or I was there to cover it. And 
we, I mean, granted, yes, we didn't go to all the games and section tournaments because we couldn't, because we're, we don't have the clone machine yet. We, we haven't developed that yet, but I mean, like once you get to that, once you get to that winner's bracket championship or just the overall championship, we're there and we, we get to cover them and we get to talk to them and you, you start to form a little bit of like a bond with that team as they get ready for state tournaments. And then you get to go over there and cover them for state tournaments. And so it's just fun because you get to see their story. You get to see their sides of things. And, you know, it's not just, I'm going to stop by at the game and talk to them real quick and then take off. Like, it's just like, we know, we know a lot of these athletes just due to the fact of fall winter sports um, because they play multiple sports, but also we've seen them play many multiple times and we've kept stats throughout this entire year. And so it's a lot of fun just to get to this point at the end of the year and see them make it to the state tournament and being able to show off that, you know, Sartell Jersey for the community and such. And, you know, it's just, it's just cool. I, I, I always get, I always have a smile on my face during this week, even though it's the craziest time and, you know, driving down to Mankato is obviously not ideal. Um, but it's still worth the drive because you get to go down there and see them play and you get to be a part of that atmosphere, which is always kind of fun. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. Like you said, you just get to narrow our scope so much more during these couple of weeks compared to being so broad throughout the rest of the year, trying to see every team, find storylines, different stuff. It really narrows in when there's only have a couple of teams playing. And especially, I think it's just more exciting a year like this, where like we talked about, you know, every, all four of these teams we've discussed so far hadn't been there. And, you know, I think Albany was the shortest in what, about 13 years. And then you go back to Sartell was 16. And then the math gets even harder when you tried to figure out soccer, Rapids baseball and Sartell softball in the eighties was the last time. So, I mean, it's just something that um, even when you go out in the first round, it's kind of tough because it just, you get so excited for state and then all of a sudden it's over um, just from either tweets I've seen comments I've seen. I mean, just all these communities are still so proud of um what these people, what these teams have been able to accomplish and these kids have been able to accomplish, um, especially in such a weird year like this year. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to cover all these teams and, um, you know, we'll see what happens next year, like always. But yeah, so that about wraps up the first part of the show today. We're going to take a quick break here. On the other side, we're going to talk about um, our five competitors at State Golf, how they fared um, over the last two days. And then we're going to preview three days of State Track to wrap up the high school season. So, Uh, Like we said, just a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the SC Times Sports Report podcast. We're going to kind of wrap up here with some golf and track and field talk as we get through this final season, uh, not even season, week of the spring season. Gosh, it's been a long time, it feels like, but it's gone by really quick. So I guess, Brian, you want to run through? We had five golfers. Um, we had two from Albany that were competing in Jordan. We had one from Cathedral Mercury competing in Jordan. And then we had um, Logan Hammock from Sartell competing in Coon Rapids. So, um, kind of people all over the place playing different times of the day, how to kind of uh, all fare out for our local golfers. Yeah. The, the, 
the main one that we were kind of looking at was Logan um, Hammock from Sartell. He finished third in 2019. So um, you knew that maybe he would have a good chance of being able to compete for that top five, top 10 spot. Um, he finished tied for 11th. Um, he actually had two really good days. Um, he shot a 73 on the first day and then a 72 for a total of 145. Um, I guess shooting one under or one over par in a two day course gets you 11th, which is crazy to think. Um, because I think the winner got like minus eight or minus nine from Northfield. So, um, a really good performance by Logan, but I guess, I mean, people were having some really good days over the last couple of days. So, um, he is a senior, so he finished, he finished in 11th and, um, I know he was getting looked at at, at, by a couple different colleges for golf. So maybe could be going somewhere. Um, as for class double a boys golf. Cathedral's Leo Worshe, um, he finished tied for 46th. He finished with an 84 on day one and a 78 on day two for 162. And then Ricori's Drew Schneider, um, he finished tied for 67 um, overall. He finished with a 90 on the first day and then came back with a 79 to make 169. So two really good days for both Leo and Drew, um, both in the 70s. So kind of a good way to end your, your season um, and your year. Um, and then for the girls' side, um, two Albany girls, Abby Thielen and Brooke Lemke, they were over at Class AA um, in Jordan. Abby Thielen, she finished 16th um, with a total of 172. She finished with an 82 on the first day and a 92 on the second day. And then Brooke Lemke, she finished 51st um, with a 190. 99 on the first day and a 91 on the second day. So um, I know Abby's coming back next year um, as well as Leo is. So two people to kind of look at as you get ready for next year. And there's plenty of, I know like Lance Hammock, um, Logan's younger brother, he just missed it um, this year for state. So it wouldn't surprise me if he gets the state next year. Um, So lots of people to kind of look at as we get ready for 2022, but some good performances by a lot of these, um, a lot of these different local golfers. So kudos to all of you. God, 2022. That sounds scary. Just even right. say that. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, and yeah, so, so and the, the only thing that's left is track and field at this point, um, all of our other teams in every sport individuals, they're all done. So um, these next three days here now, starting with tonight on Thursday night, we have two mile races. We have Turner shot from cathedral. Christine Kaltoff from Albany and Sam Brewer from Apollo. They're all going to be competing tonight. Um, they, those start at seven, run through kind of eight, eight thirty. So I'll be out at those at St. Michael Albertville tonight to cover those. Um, all of them kind of seated right between that, um, you know, like six, seven, eight range or so um, from the seed time that they've given out. And I know even Turner's best time is a little lower than on the seed time by about five, 10 seconds too. So um, I'd, I'd expect all of them to be kind of competing for those, um, you know, those top seven, eight podium spots type of deal. Um, so that'll be good to see all of them compete as individuals tonight. Um, and then there's going to be a good, you know, a couple of different teams competing tomorrow that we're both going to be at actually us both being at an event. I know kind of weird, um, doesn't happen very often, but Dave, (laughs) Dave's on vacation this week, a much needed and deserved break. So, um, we're both going to get to be at state track tomorrow on Friday. Um, for that one, the big ones to keep an eye on are the Cathedral Boys 4x8 
relay and the Albany girls four by eight relay cathedrals ranked second and Albany um, is ranked first actually. So um, both those have really good chances to, you know, if they um, really put it together and continue to drop time, like they did um, in sections, like when I saw them uh, both have a really good chance at possibly winning a state title. Um, and for the cathedral boys team, I wrote a feature on them this week because um, their leadoff runner, Eli Ebel, uh, just I think it's about a year and maybe one week ago, um, maybe two weeks at this point is he had open heart surgery for, um, a heart condition he had since he was born, um, that had never really bothered him physically, but doctors had said they kind of wanted to get it taken care of. Um, so he had that surgery last year on June 5th, I believe it was. Um, and already just in, <laughs> in just that amount of time, he managed to recover from that continue to get better, run incredible times this year. And with his teammate um, and younger brother, Henry, who's a sophomore and then sophomore Brent Vermelt and then Turner shot, who's also running the two mile. Um, those four have really come together and just run some blazing fast times this year. Um, handoffs were great. Speed was good. Um, and all of them just kind of complement each other. So um, talking to their coach, Patrick Fitzgerald and all of them, and a couple of them too, on Mondays when I saw them, um, you know, they're not really, too concerned about where the other teams are at, what the pace is. They just know they kind of want to drop a couple seconds each um, and try to get that school record. I think they're about 10 seconds off of it um, from what they ran at sections. Um, and with conditions look like they should be pretty good for uh, the next couple of days, honestly. Um, and those times are all just kind of get better, especially because usually you have to run a couple events in one day. So you can't go all out. This will be the first time that all of them can go all out um, at the same meet. So I'm really excited to see how they do. And like I said, also Albany, um, how their four by eight team do, they got third two years ago and three of the four are back from that. So, um, they should be strong. And then also on Friday, you have Grant Mares from Albany in the 800, he's seated seventh. And then Olivia Gable from Albany, um, as a freshman in the mile, she's seated third. So, um, you know, all long distance stuff that Brian and I are going to be covering tomorrow, but, um, a lot of potential for some really good finishes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think this is the first time in like five, six years that we're not going to have rain um, on a track and field state tournament. I mean, yeah, keep your fingers crossed. But the weather does look like it's supposed to be like low, low 80s, high 70s, which like zero to one percent chance of precipitation. I know I'm like usually I'm trying usually to see it's if either like real. blazing hot, like 150 degrees and like the track is boiling at that point. Um, or it's raining and lightning and delays. So I'm fine with the middle ground that perfectly fine with that, you know, um, because I know I'll be out there by myself on Saturday. Um, cause you will have the day off and Dave will still be on vacation. Um, but, uh, yeah, for third, for Saturday, a bunch of, uh, the bigger schools would be, are going to be competing that day. Um, kind of going through the list a little bit. You have Sartell's Evan Flores. He's, um, he's going to be at the pole vault at 10 a.m. Um, David Boyd Jr. from Apollo. He's going to be doing the 100-meter dash at 10.42 a.m. Um, the 4x100-meter relay um, for Apollo. They will be competing at 11.24 a.m., the boys 200 meter dash with um, Apollo's David Boyd Jr. Again, um, that will be at 1215. Then you have the girls starting at 330. Um, Sock Rapids um, Justice Florin. Um, she will be doing the long jump. And then Ricori Cecilia Woods 
She'll be doing the 100 meter hurdles at 3454. Um, Apollo's Noelle Hackenmuller, she's going to be doing the triple jump at 5 p.m. And then Brooke Venkrens, she will be um, from Apollo, she will be doing the 800 meter run um, to close it out at 536. But I guess for you, since you have been looking at a lot of these times throughout the year, um, maybe kind of give us a little bit of a heads up of what to expect from that Saturday in your mind. Yeah, you know, um, Evan Flores started in the pole vault. He's jumped his times up huge, you know, almost over a foot in the last just couple of weeks at the conference meet. And then sections also was really strong. Um, you know, he's kind of, there's about, there's usually between about 16 to 18 qualifiers for a lot of these events because you get 16, um, you get two from each of the eight sections. And then there's usually one or two that hit the qualifying standard you tack on to. Um, so, you know, he's right kind of in the middle of the pack, but um, he's shown the ability to really jump up, so I'd expect a pretty good meet from him. Um, for David Boyd, he's going to be doing the 100, the 4 by one and the 200 all within like a two-hour span, which, um, you know, it's not as crazy for the sprints, but it's still really grueling to try to do that. Um, so I guess it, it will be kind of interesting to see kind of by the time we get to the 200, which is his strongest event. He's tied for sixth in the 200, and uh, he won conference in the 200, you know, was right at the top there in sections almost. Um, really narrow margin there. So, um, you know, it's going to be, you're going to be doing the four by one. I'm sure he'll be the anchor leg like he has been all year in that um, about an hour before and then running a hundred, um, you know, right before that too. And this year's going to be so different because there's not prelims and then finals um, like all the other years, like normal, it's just going to be one timed final um, with two heats for all these events. So um, that's going to be a lot different, but I'd expect really big things from him just with what he's accomplished this year. And um then on the girls' side, kind of a lot of the athletes are also just kind of ranked middle of the pack there um, in long jump and triple jump, Justice and Noelle both. Um, they were also just kind of right there next. I mean, Noelle missed by what? It was like 0.25 inches of making in the long jump too. Um, and she just missed in the 300 hurdles too. She was um, in first kind of entering the final stretch of that race too and just missed it by hundredths of a second too. So um, I'd expect both of them to, to have good performances. Cecilia Woods in the hurdles too. She's seated ninth, um, has won a ton of meets this year. So um, we'll be cool to see her against, you know, the biggest school's biggest competition in 2A. Um, and then Brooke for Kinnis last, she dropped her time by a couple seconds there in the 800 um, to, make the, to make it as the final qualifier. Um, that was kind of a, a big accomplishment for her that, um, you know, I, from where her seed time was, I don't think many were expecting her to make it. So um, we'll also be cool to see her um, get to perform at state for the first time. So um, you know, everyone's kind of ranked either sixth or lower, um, in the, in their seed times for all these class two A events. Um, so anyone making, you know, that kind of that top five would probably have to really drop their time or kind of have a surprise performance, but, um, that always seems to kind of happen at state. So I'm excited to see kind of if anyone really makes a big jump for you that you get to see on Saturday. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, going to take nice, pretty photos, so that'll be good. And then, Get a nice story up afterwards. Um, but like, like we kind of said to kind of recap what we're doing this, these next few days, Thursday will be Zach um, over at St. Michael Albertville for um, the 3,200 meter um, run. And then you have me and Zach going out there on Friday for class A. And then I will be going out there um, for class double A on Saturday. So then after that, um, the high school season is done. I'm taking a vacation. Um, 
And I know you will be taking one shortly after I'm back. So um, we're going to kind of just, you know, enjoy some time off a little bit um, after some crazy uh, spring seasons. But um, I think after that, we'll still continue to podcast. I think that's kind of one of our goals is I know we just hit 40. I think this is the 41st episode. Um, so thank you to everybody that's been listening. Um, we wouldn't be able to do this if you guys didn't listen. So we definitely appreciate everybody's support on, on the podcast. But um, I think heading into the summer, we're going to be doing some updates on um, amateur baseball. We got the St. Cloud Rocks that are playing as well. Um, we have um, some other like local events with the BMX track. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of different things that are going on kind of locally that aren't high school related, um, but still are worthy to talk about in a podcast. So I think that's kind of our plan. Um, we're going to kind of finalize that next week as a sports team and kind of figure out what the, what those steps are going to be heading into July and August. Um, obviously at the end of August, we'll start going back up to um, high school football and the fall season and everything else. Um, I think we're also going to be doing um, all metros here this upcoming week. Um, so we'll be probably discussing that when I get back from my vacation. Um, but I think we're going to plan on having one podcast next week, I believe either on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I'm not back from my vacation until Friday the following week. So um, might be waiting a little bit until we announce all the all metros and such. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're going with it after after the high school season's over. Yep. Like you said, we're going to start working on those. All Metros next week, we'll have at least one or two shows to kind of discuss um, all of our selections, dive a little deeper into that decision-making process and kind of the seasons that were for those sports. Um, so that'll be at some point. And then, yeah, once we kind of get through, it's going to be a little more sporadic when the podcasts come out um, kind of this, the rest of kind of June, early July here. And like you said, yeah, once hopefully we get to kind of the middle of July and we're both back from vacations and such, our schedules are pretty consistent. Um, we can kind of pick a time. Um you know, every week again, to, like you said, go through amateur ball, um, just other kind of news and notes, college, all that. And then, yeah, high school football, college football, camp, all that kind of stuff starts up um, much quicker than I'm sure we even anticipate. I know a lot of our teams, even for football, are playing a week earlier than normal. They're playing a zero week game. I think at least three teams are. Um, so it's it's going to be even earlier than we're used to. Um, so, yeah, it'll, it'll be a little different coming up here um, through the summer, but otherwise, we're going to keep coming back and podcasting every week that we can. Yeah. So make sure to stay tuned to sctimes.com. We have plenty of content from earlier this week with all this softball and baseball content. Um, we'll be putting up a bunch of stories on track and field here um, later on this week. And then we'll be putting out some feature stories, all metros, all that happy stuff um, throughout the summer. So plenty of content is still to come throughout the summer, even though high school will be ending after this weekend. So Make sure to stay tuned and um, make sure to follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, all that happy stuff. Definitely. Well, great. Well, I think that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the SC Times Sports Report podcast, and we will see you again next time.